Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Let's Run, the Western Mass Running Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Gaudet. This podcast is made possible thanks to the resources at East Hampton Media. My featured guests on this podcast are Don and Sue Grant from the Sugarloaf Mountain Athletic Club. In March of 2020, Don and Sue were members of the first group of runners inducted into the Western Mass Runners Hall of Fame. Rather than write my own introduction, I will now read their bio from the Hall of Fame website. The Grants, Don and Sue, are known for hosting the famous Tuesday night 5K cross-country races at the Northampton Community Gardens. Together, they participated in road races from the 5K to the marathon. Then, in 1986, used their race experience and developed the 5K cross-country races. Along with their daughter, April, they created a simple but challenging course run along the pathways of the vocational school property. It is now a Tuesday night tradition to hear that fateful word, go, and the runners take off on the wet, cold spring nights and those hotter-than-hell midsummer nights to challenge the course. The race has a record board with who's who in the Western Mass running on it. Don and Sue are longtime members of the Sugarloaf Mountain Athletic Club. They have volunteered with many club events from all-comer track meets to the Amherst 10-miler and every other type of race or event put on by the club. Don helped save Smack in 1977 when the club had lost many members and officers. He stepped up and reorganized the club, continuing its legacy as a longtime Western Mass running club. Don served as president in 1978 and in 1988 and was on the club board for many years. Don is an artist slash painter by trade and for many years did the Sugarloaf Sun newsletter cover and many illustrations in the Sun magazine. Both Don and Sue are longtime runners and competed in all of the Western Mass and New England races for years. Sue raced many of the early women races with the SMAC team. Her mile PR is 6 minutes 38 seconds, and her 10K best is 44 minutes and 15 seconds. Don was always known as Downhill Don. No one could match his crazy downhill running style. He was a sub-three-hour marathoner and a 440-miler into his early days, back in the days when everyone ran fast. Don's 5K road PR was 1630, and his PR on his Northampton 5K course is 18 minutes, 24 seconds. Don continues to hit the pavement in the local races and is a frequent runner at the Winter Snowstorm Classic races each winter Saturday. Sue continues to attend races and is always a friendly, cheering face out on the course. The Tuesday night course has been adopted by the Northampton High School team as their race course for the home meets. The Smith College women's team uses part of the course for their home meets as well. Sue has even written a song about it. We can all thank the Grants for getting the Northampton races on the map for all of New England to enjoy. I met Don and Sue at their home to record this podcast. The walls of their home are adorned with Don's artwork, much of which are scenes of runners. During the podcast, we discuss one of Don's works, which is approximately eight feet wide by four feet high. At the kitchen table was a framed 1998 proclamation from Mary Ford, who was at that time the mayor of Northampton. 
who proclaimed October 6th, 1998 as, quote, Don, Sue, and April Grant Day. The proclamation recognized that Grant's, quote, outstanding ability to develop, lay out, and maintain one of the Northeast's great cross-country courses, as well as their leadership, positive attitude, and encouragement of Harriers. So here's my conversation with Don and Sue Grant. At the end of our conversation, Sue sings the song that she wrote about the Tuesday night race. And stay tuned afterwards for a rundown of local running events, as well as a story about track star Gabby Thomas, who grew up in Florence and attended Williston Northampton School. I'd like to now introduce Don and Sue Grant to the Let's Run podcast. Don and Sue are well known for hosting the Tuesday night 5K cross-country race at the Northampton Community Gardens and are in the Western Mass Runners Hall of Fame. We're recording this podcast on a very warm summer morning at their home in Northampton. Don and Sue, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Same here. Thanks, Tim. Nice to meet you, too. I must confess, I've never actually run the Tuesday night race, although I did walk the course once, and it appears to be very challenging with several hills. Before I retired, I, I worked at Pratt & Whitney down in East Hartford, Connecticut, and it was a challenge for me to leave work, make the long commute up I-91, and, and make it to a, 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 ra- a weeknight race on time in Western Mass. Of course, now that I'm retired, I, I no longer have that excuse, so um, I hope to enjoy a Tuesday night race with you really soon. Great. It'll be good to have you. Great. So, um, so, y- so you started the SMAC Tuesday night 5K cross-country race at the Northampton Community Gardens back in 1987. What motivated you to create this race? I discovered a place where you could run right within one mile of downtown Northampton uh, along forest trails. Don likes to run and he liked to race a lot and we were always going all over creation going to races and he thought it would be nice to have one here in Northampton. Yeah, because at the time, I believe there was there was one in Springfield. I right. believe the Harriers had their race on Wednesday nights. Right. And then Empire One had races on, I believe, Monday and Thursdays. Yep. So there was still an open date on the calendar and nothing quite up in the Northampton area. We had already had uh, some races in Look Park. Oh, right. For four years, we had them in the fall, in September, October, and, and November. And... Uh, we just, I just sort of discovered that uh, there was this, this land that had belonged to the uh, state hospital. And uh, I ran on that uh, a lot, and I thought it would just be a great place for a cross-country race. And it is. It is. It sure is. Just a, it had to add about 28 signs to keep people on the right path. But after that was done, it was uh, clear sailing. Yeah, that must be a challenge, right, to, to mark the course? Yeah, we uh, measured it with a bicycle, a Clane Jones uh, calibrator, and uh, it's, it's exactly uh, 3.1 miles. Is that it's sanctioned by the USA Track and Field? Yes. So did they have to actually come to the site? Yes, you make out the papers and you measure it three different times, and... Uh, then you send it into them, and then they send somebody around to uh, check on check that your measurements are correct. So, what 
kind of course maintenance is required? Um, do, you, do you have to clear out the brush? Trees are our main problem. When they uh, fall across the path, we usually have to get somebody to come with a chainsaw and cut up, cut up the tree, and we haul them to the side of the road. Tim Smith from Smith Vocational School, is a, he's their uh, manager, their farm manager, and he does most of that. But what he can't do, we do. And a couple of um, people who come to our race a lot, like uh, Lou DeSessor and Harry Hayward, um, have um, been extremely helpful about uh, clearing fallen limbs and even mowing some places where weeds might threaten to take over the path. But uh, Tim Smith has been really great. Uh, we want to thank him very, very much for all the work he's done clearing the really big things like trees. Yep, he's been great. So I would imagine you would have to do a lot of clearing prior to the first race in the spring, but then as the year goes on, maybe it's the, the course is pretty well settled, is that? No, it, it has to be uh, mowed once every, uh, every two or three weeks at least. And uh, we, we've just been uh, lucky to have people who do it for us. So who actually owns the property? Um, the, the state of Massachusetts owns it, and, uh, and it's underneath the... Um, Department of Conservation and Recreation. That's the uh, title. They gave a 99-year uh, a lease to Smith Vocational School. So we're somewhere along in the 99 years. There's plenty of years left on that. Uh, so the, person, the, the people that uh, really control it are, are the Smith Vocational School and their trustees. But you have permission from We Smith have Volk, then? permission from them. We yep. Originally, I got permission from the state hospital, uh, the head of the state hospital and the, the um, superintendent of the Smith Vocational School and the farm manager. Oh, and the mayor. And the mayor, oh, yeah. Mayor Musanti. Parks and Recreation Department. He jumped through a lot of hoops to get these permits. Right. So now, do do you mow it, or do you, you have people who mow it, and you have permission to do that? Yes, both. Uh, I, I have mowed it, but not recently. I don't do it anymore. But um, Lou DeSessa has been doing it, and Harry Hayward have been mowing. And also, Smith Vocational sends up people to, uh, on a less regular basis, but they, they do it. So let's talk about the races, then. How, how many runners do you typically get? on a Tuesday night? Well, right now, we this year, after a year's lapse, we've had, uh, we're averaging 35 people a week. Before that, we were averaging about, for the two or three years ago, we were averaging maybe 50. And uh, our highest turnout has ever, ever was uh, 140. A couple of times we had 140 people, and uh, for a while there we were we were averaging around 70. That was, but that's way back in uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, I think as people kind of get used to things returning to normal after the pandemic, your turnout will increase. Oh, I, I think so, definitely. Yes, I think so. So. How has the race evolved since 1987? Is is the course changed at all? No, it's the original course. It's exactly 3.1 miles long, 
and uh, the, we've got the same map that we had uh, 35 years ago. And the, and the timing is all the same? You time it the same way? Yeah, we time it the same way. It's a chronomix timer. We do two things uh, in connection with the records. We maintain a race age group record board, which shows the best times for each age group, starting with f age five and going through age 90. Um, there are a few years in there that we don't have a record for yet. But not just age group, but every individual year. Yeah, I shouldn't say group, each age. Um, but in addition to that, which many races do that, we do something a little unusual. For each person who participates in the race, Don or I, we take turns on this usually, we make out a five by seven card with the person's name and age, the day they first ran the race, and their time on that day. And then each time they come after that, we uh, plug it into that card. And um, I'm happy to say that uh, each week, even now with the smaller numbers after the coronavirus quarantining and all that, we put out these boxes of personal record cards and we see people avidly searching, you know, they're alphabetized, avidly searching through them for their own card and hauling it out and saying, I can't believe I ran that fast when I was 16. But this is really amazing. We had a guy who came back in 2019, that was the most recent previous season <coughs> before this year, and um, he mentioned when I was registering him that he had previously been to this race 28 years before. So I congratulated him for coming again. He then proceeded to run the exact same time he had done 28 years wow. before. Wow, that's amazing. This, you get all kinds of interesting surprises with this. Yeah, I sometimes will do it on the computer. I'll look back on um, my race results from a few years ago, and I'll surprise myself sometimes to say, well, gee, I really ran that fast, and because and, <laughs> I'm not running 22-minute 5Ks anymore. So, No, most of us aren't either. Don got into the 16s for the, uh, was it the... Um, Empire One race that used to be at the Whiting Street Reservoir. Yeah, the old, the old Whiting Street Reservoir race. Before they went over to Ashland. 1630, 1651. I had an age group, group record. Oh, so you must have a hat then, right, from Empire, from uh, Dick well, we just We just won hats this past uh, month for our advanced age uh, showing. So you have the age record then at, at, at Ashley Reservoir for the 5K. Oh, I know. It's Stanley. The, it's the ones, the, the Stanley. ones at Ashley have all been superseded years ago. Okay. We don't have any records at Ashley. Don got the age 79. I got the age 77. And the same night, Lou got the age 78, I guess. And wow. Suzanne got the age 64. So Janet Romeco, who was helping out, took a picture of us and printed it up. And then Suzanne framed it and... Gave us a copy, which oh, was really very nice. nice. Yeah, four age group records in one night. So Dick said, now, be aware, if you break your own records, you're not getting a new cap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about your running in a minute. I just want to follow up uh, a few more things about the race on Tuesday nights. Has the race always been conducted from April to September? Yes, from the beginning. We tried to have it uh, be uh, six months out of the year every Tuesday night at 6.30. And uh, until recently, we did it like that. Now we've, we've cut, cut it back a little bit so that uh, in September and October, uh, we, don't, we don't do it. So what other groups use the Northampton race course? Chicopee High School, 
has has used it. Uh, Williston Northampton School has used and it. And Northampton High. And Northampton High School, as well as uh, Smith College. And Smith Volk, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure whether they At currently have. At one point, have. they had a small cross-country team themselves, yeah. and they used the course also. I don't know if they're continuing that right now. So I saw something online about people predicting their times. Is, is that a thing that you do? This is a race tradition. We, we uh, modeled it on the Greater Springfield Harriers. They always ask you, what do you think you'll run the race in? And then you come in, and of course, you're either much slower or much faster, but never on it. Uh, but they would announce who would come the closest, and that would be the prediction winner. So we really liked that idea. So we, we did that from the beginning, and we still do it. And the neat thing is that it doesn't matter whether you're very fast or very slow. What matters is how close you came to what you thought you would do. And just last week, uh, Tom Davidson uh, won it. And Tom has been doing our race for at least 25 years. And he said, this is the first time I've won anything. He printed it exactly. You get a certificate with a picture of a, another runner who, is, who set records. The certificate is good for one race. So if you, if you uh, win a certificate, you get to race again for free. We call them ra race bucks. Race bucks, yeah, I think I, I've seen that online. So. so a lot of the same people have run the race year after year. Uh, and I think you mentioned a couple. Do, do any folks stand out, any longtime runners? Well, they're, uh, our dentist. Although he's retired from the field. Yeah. Jim Clayton, he still holds several age group records. Jim Farrick? Jim Farrick, who has run over 600 times. Wow. And uh, he's still going strong. He, he didn't miss a, a race for something like 500 times. And you keep all the records, right? Right. Sue, Sue marks them down on, the, on our cards, and we have a card catalog. And uh, with a, at least a one card for every runner who's ever been at the race. Now, are they um, do you, are your records on paper? Or are, yeah. the, are they they're not electronic then? No. no. So you don't keep them in a spreadsheet? No. No. Have no. you thought about doing that? Dave Martulo offered to do that for us, but we already had eight boxes of cards, and so we we just kept doing it this way. When Dave saw the eight boxes, he decided that it was a little too much? Yeah. I'm, sh I'm, I'm sure you could get someone to do it if... Um, we actually like doing it this way, Tim. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, you can actually handle the card and pull it out. You don't have to plug into a power power supply or something. It seems to work okay. Yeah. So, Sue, you've, um, you've written a song about the race. Yes. And uh, the, the song references an evening in which a steer kicked over your water cups and pail. Oh, we will never forget that. Yeah, the, um, the vocational school um, raises, raises cattle. It used to be dairy cattle, now it's beef cattle. Um, and um, we noticed yesterday, in fact, that they are grazing them again in a field across the road from our uh, race area. Um, but we noticed also that they have made their fences much better. And in fact, they've electrified them, so I don't think this is gonna happen again. But this was quite a few years ago. The race had started. Um, my daughter was in charge of the water stop, which was right across the road from the um, area where the cattle were grazing. And at that time, we weren't as quite as particular as we are now. We didn't use those nice water coolers with spigots. We just used a uh, bucket with a lid, and we would fill it with fresh water, bring it over to the uh, water stop, 
uh, and a package of disposable cups. And um, April would fill up the cups and hand them out to people at about the halfway of the uh, 5K. Um, I wasn't there when this happened, but I, I heard about it from her gory detail. She, she went up to the water stop, and she discovered that she wasn't alone. There was a big, we called it a cow, it turns out it was a steer, which is a male cow, uh, but not a bull, um, which had broken through the fence. The fence was not in good condition at that time. Walked across the road, seen this bucket of nice cool water, and stuck its big Snow. drooly nose into the water and started drinking it up. And then, it tr to add insult to injury, it trampled on the cups. And, you know, I mean, a cow was much bigger than a human being, so there wasn't much April could do about this. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I, I wasn't at it because I was in the race that night, and I didn't wear my glasses because it was a hot night and my glasses get fogged up if I wear them on a hot night. So I had left my glasses in my pocketbook, and without my glasses I don't see it, anything at a distance very well. And I came around the turn and was eagerly looking forward to April holding out a cup of nice cool water. And as I came toward her, I saw this big white blob beyond April, and she wasn't holding out any cup of water. I said, where's the water? She said, Mom, the steer damaged the cups and drank all the water. And then I realized the big white blob was a cow. So I just <laughs> kept going. Wow. Um, eventually, a couple of guys who work for Smith Volk um, turned up, and um, after much pulling and hauling, they finally got the steer to change its mind and, and leave and you know go back with them. Well, that's a funny story. So you mentioned your daughter, April. Does she help you then? She did when she lived in our area. She was a big help, actually. She lives in the Boston area now, and she has a regular 9 to 5, Monday through Friday job, so we don't see her on Tuesdays. Is she a runner? Yes. She didn't do it for a while, but she's gotten back to it uh, of late. And uh, she was up here last weekend for Father's Day and got up at about 7 in the morning, went out for a run yep. before it got hot. It was nice. Yeah, she does about 22 minutes for 5K. Yeah, she did 22-something in the Empire 1 5K one time. Wow. So so you're both runners. When you met, were you both runners? No. <laughs> I not only wasn't a runner, I resented having to go to phys ed class at UMass. <laughs> oh, that's right. We met at UMass. That's right. right. You did football and swimming, and you also did some running, right? Uh, yes. I was on a cross-country team one year. And on the football team the other years. Well, what position did you play? I was fullback. And uh, position uh, on the cross-country team was last. <laughs> but I, uh, I still I enjoyed it. Interesting. So any other funny stories over the years on the Tuesday night races? I don't know if this is a funny story, but it was something that we really enjoyed. Uh, when we used to go through the end of September, as you can imagine, the days are getting shorter and shorter. And... It's getting harder and harder for people to finish the race before it's dark, and it's also getting colder and colder. We were standing around with flashlights in our hands so that we could make out the uh, result board, and um, it was so cold, you know, and you can't wear mittens because you've got to write the time down and all, so our hands were freezing. We were feeling pretty miserable, actually, and um, then finally we saw the guy, and we knew he was the last runner coming in, and I had this inward feeling of, Thank God this season is over, and I'm not going to have to stand around here freezing next Tuesday. And then he crossed the line. I got his time. And uh, I have to say to their credit, almost all the runners who had finished long before this guy had waited to see him come in, you know, and give him a hand. 
which was nice. And then just as I was thinking about that, we heard this weird sound from high up overhead. And we looked up, and it was going, ow, 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 ow. It was a flock of geese, which were going like mad due south. And it was like they'd gotten the word, winter is coming. And somehow it really just lifted my spirits tremendously. So I, I yelled at them, we'll see you next year in April. <laughs> Funny, yeah, the races probably coincide with the geese arriving and, and, um, and then going south. <laughs> yep. So have you been involved with other races or events over the years? Maybe the Amherst 10-miler? Oh, yeah. We frequently ran in that or worked on it. We made the maps. Oh, right. You made an excellent map. It's a convoluted course. We manned water stops several times, which in late February is no picnic. Um, one time, April and I were in charge of a water stop on that race, and it was a very, very cold day. Don was running the race, and we were at the water stop. We, um, we got to the place where the water stop should be, and there was a table, and there was a couple of buckets of water, and lots of cups. And we thought we were being so forward-looking, so to speak. We filled up about 100 cups and put them on the table, and then we retreated to the van to warm our freezing fingers. Mm-hmm. A long time later... Well, that race is in February, right? Right. It was usually the last uh, Sunday in February. I, I would say it was about 10 degrees, if that. A long time after we had gotten into the van and turned on the heat, we looked in the rearview mirror and we saw, oh, here's the lead runner. So we leaped out of the van and April picked up the cup and proudly held it out to him. And he grabbed it and he went to take a drink and he threw it on the road. He said, this damn thing is frozen. In the just that, you know, it wasn't much more than 15 minutes. All the, I mean, not like solid ice, but like a slushy. Mm-hmm. So we got to empty all the 100 cups and fill them with fresh water. <laughs> it's unfortunate that race no longer is being run. but It was a great event, yeah. It was a big event. People came from all over the New England to, yeah. to run in that. So you've been involved with the Sugarloaf Mountain Athletic Club for a long time. Since uh, about 77. I understand you reorganized the club way back when? Uh, in 78, I became president when the club had sort of ceased to function. They had some kind of dispute over uh, money for the men's team to go to uh, upstate New York races. They just stopped meeting, and I heard about that through uh, Fred Pilon's uh, runner's shop in Northampton. He was the first person to... Uh, start a running a running store for running shoes and, and paraphernalia. You, you gave the club structure that it totally lacked before that date. You created an executive board and you got people to fill the different positions on it. Yeah, I, it's hard to believe that was me, but yes, I did that. Yeah, well, you should be very proud. The club has lived on now for over 40 years since then. Yeah, it seems to be thriving. And it's thriving, I agree. It's really nice to see. But, but you mentioned traveling to events. So did the club have a men's and a women's team that traveled to? At times, at times we did, but it was more or less more informal than formal. We went to Schenectady and Albany and... Uh, oh, right, the Stockade-a-thon. Newtown. In Connecticut? Yeah, near Poughkeepsie. And uh, Danbury, and sometimes to Worcester, or Charlie's surplus race. Oh, I remember that one. That was so hard. 
I spoke to Don Roberts in a podcast a few months ago, and um, she said the Harriers actually went to California. Yeah, they do. They They've always had a much stronger commitment to team competition than any other club. In fact, you might at some point wish to do a podcast um, with Peter Stavs. Talk with Peter, Peter. Stavs oh, and Ivana Baruch. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we had some fun going to races. It was. Uh, but I think it was. You're right. It was more informal and and on a uh, friendly basis rather than um, formal competition. And you know, we we did occasionally uh, win money for the club, though. Yeah. So you mentioned Peter Stat. He's in the Western Mass Runners Hall of Fame, along with the two of you. And so, how did you feel when you learned that you would be Hall of Famers? Surprised. Very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Very surprised. I, I want to give a lot of credit to Richard Clark, who was one of the main uh, organizers of that whole idea uh, and who uh, who was the first person to inform us that we were going to be uh, honored. It, it was a great surprise. And the event was very nice. And actually, that event, um, our daughter was able to come up and join us for it, too, even though it was a weeknight. That event was the very last social event we were able to take part in before all of this coronavirus quarantine came crashing down. Yes, it was March 2020. Yep. They're, they're going to revive it again this coming spring. Yeah. Don, I talked to Don Roberts about that. They already have a list of folk who will be inducted. Yes, we know some of them. Oh, you do. Don wouldn't spill the beans to me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your running for a bit. You were both fast runners in your day and still are you just won an age uh, record don you were a, a sub three hour ma marathoner and you ran a 440 mile right yes for um 47 47 okay wow that's amazing and then your 5k pr six six thirty sixteen thirty sixteen thirty thank you <laughs> yes and then on your course your PR? 1824. Uh, wow. So your PR, you, you ran a mile in 638, right? Yeah, I'm not a fast runner, Tim. That's right. Well, <laughs> I don't think I could run a mile in 638. I only managed to do that partly because Don had gotten me to go to the track with him once a week and to uh, do sprints, you know, where you, you run a quarter mile as fast as you can and then you walk and then you do another one. It, it's very hard. It was one of the most difficult things I've done. I still wouldn't have gotten probably um, anything under seven minutes for the mile, except that that particular evening, it was at a summer track meet held at Amherst College. There was a man in the heat of the mile that I was in who was about my speed. We bit faster, really, but, but pretty close. And when we started out, I thought, if I stay near Bill, maybe I can do a better time than I've ever done before. Because when you you know how it is when you watch somebody, it takes your mind off how awful you feel. So I kept, I kept my eyes on Bill, on his back, of course, um, and we went around three times, and then we're coming into the fourth lap, and he slowed down just a smidgen, and to this day, I don't know whether he did it to be nice and let me beat him, or whether he did it because he was exhausted and couldn't go fast. I, I never found out. Actually, I didn't want to ask him, so I didn't ask him. But because he had been pushing very hard up until that time, um, I was able to pass him, and that allowed me to get that 638. Oh, that's impressive. And your 10K best is 44 minutes, 15 seconds. That's right. That was a long time ago. That was in that um, race for women only, um, that, which now seems a little uh, 
uh, bigoted or something uh, when you think about it, um, that used to be sponsored by the Bonnie Bell people and then by Tufts University. I think now it's sponsored by Reebok. Um, it's held in Boston and it's very, very flat. It's the kind of course you can do a good time on. Well, of course, back in the day, I mean, women couldn't run in the Boston Marathon. I know. Uh, well, things have changed for the better, I think. Oh, for sure. So, Don, how many marathons have you run? Eight or ten. I'm not sure exactly how many, but not not a lot of them. Any stand out? Low, the Lowell Marathon. Oh, oh, the, oh, yes. Uh, the uh, Bay State, I think it's the Bay State the Marathon. The Bay State Marathon in Lowell. But it's in Lowell. If you've ever been in Lowell, it's a very hilly city. He did his all-time marathon best that in that. That stands out because the day of the race, I was sick in bed still. I had been sick to my stomach for a day or two. I had arranged to go to the marathon, and some friends dropped by. Harry Masterton dropped by to pick me up because I, for, I forgot to, to tell him not to come. And so he insisted we go, so I got dressed. And, I forgot uh, all about that. Yeah. Wow. And we went went to the marathon, and uh, I wasn't sure I could do it, but uh, I was standing around thinking about w- warming up when uh, Walter Childs, who was just standing over talking to some people, he uh, very nonchalantly pulled the trigger of his starting gun. And Uh-oh. people who were all around, they, uh, they ran in the race anyway. That started the race. It was a very informal start. <laughs> and so I saw them all, saw these people running, and so I started running too. So even though you didn't feel very well, you I did I did pretty well because I just thought I was going to go a few miles and quit. But luckily, I went uh, went slow enough that uh, I could maintain the pace, and I ran two hours and fifty eight minutes. Wow, which was uh, uh, my first time under under three hours. Three hours used to be a big uh, uh, goal. Oh, I think it still is. There aren't a lot of people who break three hours for a marathon. Did that qualify you for Boston? Uh, yep. And I also... Did you run Boston then? I don't remember if I ran Boston that year. How often are you running today? You ran the time trials at uh, Ashley a few weeks ago, and you, you won a hat for your age group, both of you, at, uh, at, at Stanley Park. Yeah, I... Well, we go out just about every day for some distance. Sue's knees are in bad shape, and so she's limited to uh, walking, uh, race walking. But she goes fast enough that it's a good pace for me, too. So it's it's a walking pace, fast walking, slow running pace somewhere in that ballpark. Yes. But it's a good workout. You feel uh, much more um, as if you've gotten something out of yourself after it, as opposed to, say, just walking a couple of miles at an ambling pace. Well, it's amazing that you're still this active in, in your late 70s. Do you have a favorite place that you like to go? Well, we, we like our, our course, our race course. We frequently go over there. Yeah. And, uh, and then we like to go to the uh, Ashley Reservoir and uh, the other reservoir. Yeah, the Whiting Street Reservoir. Mr. Whiting Street Reservoir. Did yes. you know that that's named after a gentleman whose name was Whiting Street? It's not an address or anything. It's his family name. Oh, his family name was Whiting Street? Yep. Yep. It's <laughs> amazing. I never knew that. He uh, provided the land for the reservoir to the city of Holyoke for a very low cost, and so they named the reservoir in his honor. Yep. You know that. So you're still active in your late 70s. Is, what's the secret to your longevity? It's fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to, to Feels race. Good. I, you feel good. Sometimes you feel feel good afterwards, but um, mostly it's enjoyable to do. It's just nice seeing what you can do. Yeah. So how have you managed to avoid injuries all these years? Well, we haven't, uh, to be truthful. I mean, you had a, a back injury, although it wasn't caused by running. It was caused by that ladder falling on top of your shoulder. But I think part of this, you know, that old chestnut about if you don't use it, you lose it. Right. Um, as soon as um, you're able to be back in shape, you do some walking, and then you do a little more walking and see how see what you can do instead of just, you know, sitting down all the time. Are you involved in any other activities besides running? Until very recently, we, we biked a lot, and we do a little bit of uh, kayaking and canoeing. Working on the uh, landscaping at our different houses. <laughs> How many homes do you own? Seven. Seven, wow. This one isn't much of a problem because, as you can see, there's very little land that goes with the house. Uh, Don's friend Fred Pilon uh, earned my undying hatred by uh, coming over here one time and saying, you're always talking about gardening. I don't know what you mean. There's nothing here but blacktop. <laughs> I said, Fred, it's amazing what you can squeeze into little spaces. <laughs> so, Don, you're a painter. Yes, I paint pictures, yeah. Yeah, there's one on the wall behind you there, too. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, and there's one of a race that's over the fireplace mantle. You can see that when we go out. So is your running influence your painting at all? Yeah, I think if you look at that painting up there, that's a place where I ran a lot, down in uh, the Meadows area of Northampton. Not too far from the Northampton airport. That's the Holyoke Range. Yeah, it's the Holyoke Range. I see. It looks like Mount Tom in the distance. Yep. Right. Yeah. And, and in the distance, it looks like, uh, is that Springfield? Yes, yep. exactly. So was that from a photograph? Uh, no. Uh, just you just going to uh, the site, the Meadows? I, I and did some drawings down there and then painted it in the studio by my memory. And I made up the... Uh, the contraption there is it has it has two wings to it, and the guys who are, that are picking the cucumbers are lying down on mattresses. Wow! So so that's a cucumber field then. Right. Yeah, it's a cucumber right. field. Right. They still grow a lot of crops down there. So have you uh, presented your work at any art shows? Not much, but uh, I have been up at the Berkshire Museum and the Worcester Art Museum and a few places. You know, Suzanne DeSessa. Yeah. Yes, yeah, she's she, becoming a very skilled artist. She's excellent. We've seen some, saw some of her yeah, recent we, work last week. It's we lovely. actually own a couple of her. Congre yeah, that's, they're great. Yeah, they sure are. So, Don and Sue, I, I want to thank you for um, joining me on the, on the Let's Run podcast. This has been a pleasure, and uh, I thank you for welcoming me into your home and uh, sharing your, your experiences. And well, you're very welcome. And we're, thank we're you very, very much. Glad you wanted to do this, Tim. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Country race song, uh, 2019 version, I have to add. Every Tuesday, a lot of good people come up to the Northampton cross-country race. They give us their names, make a guess at their times, pay their fee, and then get into place. When Philemon Terror came over to run, we knew Sandu's record would fall. Now that Philemon's turned in 1445, his time is the fastest of all. Jim Farrick comes up from Cole Morgan to race and work on his ongoing streak. He's run it in hot weather, run it in cold, run it week after week after week.
The beavers come up in the spring and the fall, setting records and lending a hand. This Spencer and Julie, Dennis, Jason, and Kim, and Alyssa, best dressed in the land. A race keeps a record of the best times, all listed by age. From five up to ninety, there's one for each human life stage. You hope you might set one. You wait for that fateful word. Go! You finish exhausted, but please, whether win, place, or show. Ron Hebert makes sure that our timers all work. Bill Romito brings honey for all. Dave Whitcomb's so good at predicting his time. He's got race bucks to paper the wall. Lou with his mower has cut down the weeds that threaten to blot out our course. Carl's given us syrup and strawberry jam and combated the wind's mighty force. Our 5K's been held in the heat and the cold, in the wind, in the snow, and in rain. But the strangest of all was the night that the steer ambled over in search of some grain. He slurped up the water we meant to give out, kicked over the cups and the pail. Two boys led him home with a leash round his horn, since he couldn't be pulled by his tail. Our race keeps a record of the best times all listed by age. From five up to ninety, there's one for each human life stage. You hope you might set one. You wait for that fateful word go. You finish exhausted. But please, mother, win, place, or show. A whole lot of rain fell on Tuesday this year, and so did big branches of trees. But Harry and Mike quickly cleared up the way. It's a task they accomplished with ease. We stand there and chat when the last race is done, when a sound from the sky rings so clear. And I yell to the geese as they race their way south, We'll see you in April next year. Our board keeps a record of the best times all listed by age. From five up to ninety, there's one for each human life stage. You hope you might set one. You wait for that fateful word, go. You finish, exhausted, but pleased whether win place or show. Thank you. In my last podcast, I talked about a runner from Vermont, Ellie Purier St. Pierre, who will be participating in the upcoming Tokyo Olympics. After I recorded that podcast, I learned of an Olympic runner who has roots to Western Massachusetts, Gabby Thomas, who will be representing the United States in the 200 meter race is from Florence and attended the Williston Northampton School in East Hampton, where she'd set multiple school records. Gabby's qualifying time in the 200-meter Olympic trials of 21.61 seconds set a new record for the meet, and only one woman, Florence Griffith Joyner, Flojo, has ever run this distance faster. Thomas is a graduate of Harvard and is currently pursuing a master's degree in epidemiology from the University of Texas. Good luck to Gabby. Another Massachusetts runner will be representing the United States in the Olympics. 
Molly Seidel from Cambridge will be running the marathon in Japan. Good luck to Molly and to all of the American athletes. Mount Washington is known for having the world's worst weather and runners got a taste of that recently at the Mount Washington road race. The race, which advertises itself as only one hill, is a 7.6 mile run up the Mount Washington Auto Road, an elevation climb of 4,650 feet to the summit of Mount Washington. In last month's event, runners had to run through thick fog with wind gusts up to 60 miles per hour. A number of Western Mass runners braved the elements to complete this grueling race, including Don Roberts, who was my guest on a previous Let's Run podcast. Don won her division with a time of one hour, 33 minutes and 47 seconds. Another podcast guest, Tom Raffensperger, was also at Mount Washington, along with his wife, Laura. Laura finished their event with an outstanding time of one hour, 46 minutes and 46 seconds. There was also a 15 member Western Mass team called Only One Wall. They were there to run only one hill. Congratulations to Don, Laura, and all of the Western Mass runners. And speaking of mountains in New Hampshire, Sarah Kelly from 18 Maple Endurance Training recently finished second in the White Mountains Half Ironman event. Sarah will be one of the featured guests on the next podcast, along with Kat Morrissey. In this last segment of the podcast, I provide a listing of upcoming running events. Each week, I look for events at the Harriers website and the Running in the USA website, plus any other site I stumble upon in my Google searches for races. Unfortunately, I may have jumped a gun on one event. For the past few weeks, I have mentioned that the halfway to St. Patrick's Day race would be taking place in September. I found this info on a site called Race Entry. However, I have no other confirmation of this event. I learned that race entry is a site that throws out race dates based on the previous year's schedule. I'll announce if I hear anything more about the halfway to St. Patrick's Day race, but for now I have no official confirmation. I apologize for any confusion. The only new event on the running calendar is the Greenfield Triathlon that will take place on Sunday, August 1st. The event features both international and sprint tri courses. Now, here's a run, quick rundown of all events between now and the end of September. The local running club weeknight race series continues. On Monday evenings at 6.30 p.m., the Empire One Running Club hosts a three-mile cross-country race at Stanley Park in Westfield. On Tuesday evenings at 6.30, the 5K cross-country race at the Northampton Community Gardens that we just talked about on this podcast with Donna Sue Grant takes place. Also on Tuesday evenings, the Child's Trail Races for Children 15 and Under will take place at 6.30 p.m. at Van Horn Park in Springfield. On Wednesday evenings, the Greater Springfield Harriers host their Summer Sizzler events at Forest Park. The run on Wednesday, July 7th, will be on the 5K cross-country route. This event is now run with a traditional race format. And on Thursday evenings at 6.30 p.m., the Empire One Running Club hosts 5K races at Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke. Also on Thursday evenings at 6.30, the Northfield Summer Roadway Series takes place. Now for upcoming races. On the weekend of July 10th and 11th, the Chesterfield Gorge Ultra and 25K will take place. 
On Sunday, July 25th, the Knights of Columbus Scholarship 5K will be run at the Sewell Road School in Wilbraham. Also on Sunday, July 25th, Nancy's run for the ACCRF will take place, a four-mile race at Outlook Farm in West Hampton. And on Saturday, August 21st, the Sugarloaf Mountain Athletic Club hosts a 40th annual Montague Mug Race. On Sunday, August 22nd, the fifth annual race to end child abuse takes place in Greenfield. SMAC hosts the New England Green River Marathon on Sunday, August 29th. This race is already sold out. The Hoyt 5K Run and Walk will take place on Sunday, August 29th in Longmeadow. The Berkshire Running Center hosts the 46th Mount Greylock 8-Mile Road Race on Sunday, September 5th. The Westfield 5K, 10K, and Half is scheduled to take place on Saturday, September 11th at the Boys and Girls Club in Westfield. On Sunday, September 12th, the Black Birch Vineyard 10-Mile Race will take place in North Hatfield. This race is hosted by Impact Racing Events, who are led by Grant Ritter and Justin Colleen. Grant Ritter will be my guest on an upcoming podcast. On Saturday, September 18th, the Don Maynard Memorial 5-Mile Race will take place in Greenfield. The Walter Childs Race of Champions, otherwise known as the Holyoke Marathon, is tentatively scheduled to take place on Sunday, September 19th. Also on the Harriers website, there's a link for anyone who would like to apply to run for Team Hoyt at the 2021 Boston Marathon. On Sunday, September 26th, the Sugarloaf Mountain Athletic Club hosts the Summit Run 5K, a race to the summit of Mount Holyoke and Hadley. And as always, check the Hartford Marathon Foundation website for a listing of all the upcoming events. Thank you for listening to the Let's Run Western Mass Running Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. And as always, happy running. <laughs>